0: Peace on Earth is a very timely topic. Uh, this week of Christmas, um, I thought I would try to pull out some newspaper articles, clippings of various things that are going on in our world, and I thought I just wanted to have some evidence of the lack of peace, conflict in our world. And, and uh, by about Wednesday, I said, forget that, I'm going to have too many articles. <laughs> There's just so much bad news out there. Uh, in one day, police officer and a bystander killed in Houston after traffic stopped. Somebody didn't like being stopped, so they shot the policeman. Somebody else came to check, see what was going on, and they shot them as well. Killed both of them. You know this story about the four firefighters that were ambushed. man that set his car and house on fire and then waited to see who was going to show up so he could shoot them. And, uh, and the story came out this week, someone else had supplied him with that weapon. Uh, world news, Aleppo, uh, Syria, battles continued, residents there are facing cold hunger and disease, little hope of any change, and so every night they, they go to bed wondering what the future is going to hold for them. Uh, just a lot of trouble in the world, and I thought, this is crazy because I don't need evidence. I don't need to convince you of the need for peace today. The past six weeks we've been talking about peace on earth. We noted that peace is a very hard thing to come by, a very difficult thing to hold on to. It's a rare commodity. Historians tell us that in the past 3,000 years of human history, only about 45 of them have been without some war going on somewhere. The rest of that time there's been open conflict somewhere in the world. And in this series we've not only talked about world peace, we've talked about peace in our homes, peace in our communities, peace in our neighborhoods. And and this morning we want to wrap up the series by talking about peace in the world, global peace or world peace. And immediately I thought, is that even possible? Is it possible? If so, how can it be created? How can we have global peace? Well, To answer the first question, let me just say this, global peace is an impossibility. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be peace on earth if you're talking about peace between nations, peace between ethnic groups, peace between societies. After many centuries of conflicts and wars, most of us are ready to admit this. All kinds of strategies have been tried to help people get along with each other. They don't work. War after war has been fought. To end all wars, they say, and yet war is still with us year after year. Some of the smartest people that have ever walked the face of this earth have, have thought that they could create a utopia, a heaven on earth, if they could just get the right formula, and none of them have. My history professor told me that toward the end of the Industrial Revolution, A lot of people thought, look at all the advances we're making. Look at how we're making life easier. Look at all the problems we're solving. Certainly we can just keep on going that direction and we're going to create heaven on earth for everybody. And then along came World War I. The whole world is at war. Soon after that came a stock market crash and depression. And and then World War II. Conflict has been in our world somewhere ever since even with all of our intelligence, even with all our technological advances, we haven't figured out how to keep peace between people. Even with all the frontiers and and worlds that we have conquered now, with science and exploration, man has not figured out how to conquer himself. He's not figured out how to conquer who he is and the, the evil intentions of his heart that lead us to conflict and war. Global peace is not going to happen. If anything, wars are going to increase rather than decrease. The Bible says that there will be wars and rumors of wars from now on. Global peace is not going to happen. So it is not God's intent, God's aim, to bring about world peace like that. That's not his goal. As long as man is free, as, man, as long as man has free will, There's going to be war. There's going to be conflict. There will not be that kind of peace on earth. But global peace can be accomplished in another way. Global peace is not what God was talking about when he said, peace on earth to men upon whom his favor rests. He was talking about a different kind of peace, wasn't he? Jesus does want us to have peace but not the kind of peace the world promises. Jesus' peace is a peace in our hearts. It's peace inside us. First In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now, it's significant to me that John 14, when Jesus said this, is the night of Jesus' betrayal which led to his crucifixion and his death. And his disciples were just about to have their world shattered. They're just about ready to have their world fall apart before their very eyes. And the one that they put all their hopes and trust in was going to be gone. And Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as I give you. Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts Be troubled. Jesus came to bring peace all right, but not external peace. He came to bring inner peace. And the main reason that Jesus came into this world was to bring peace, first of all, between us and God, because it had been obliterated. Our sins put us at odds with God. Our rebellion had made us the enemies of God. But Jesus came to make peace between us and God. Once again, he came to reconcile us to God. He gave his life so that our sins could be atoned for. His sacrifice on the cross restored a broken relationship we had with God so that there could be peace between us. The peace Jesus gives us also gives us peace in our hearts during our time here on earth. He calms our troubled souls. And when we come to faith in God, Jesus begins to work on our hearts, He works on our emotions, He works on our attitudes. He changes our priorities and the way we look at things, the way we look at other people, and we become different ourselves. His peace replaces our fears and our anxieties. It changes the way that we handle our troubles because now we're not alone. Now we have God with us, his guidance, his wisdom, his strength. I heard a story about a train that was traveling through the night in a violent rainstorm. The lightning flashes were almost blinding, and the rain hitting the windows was deafening, and the strong gusting winds were actually moving the train back and forth as it went down the tracks. It was a very frightening scene. When that lightning flashed and lit up the, the darkness, the passengers could look out the windows and they could see the water rising on either side of them. It was horrifying. It created terror in the minds of the passengers. Several passengers noted that through all of this, lightning, wind, and storm, one of the passengers, a little girl, seemed to be at perfect peace. And the adults couldn't figure out why everyone else was scared. And she's sitting there so calmly. So finally one of the asked, how is it you can be so calm? And the rest of us are scared to death. She said, my father is the engineer. <laughs> I know who's in charge of this train. And I'm okay with it. That's how life is. That's the kind of peace we can have in our world. Not at all of conflict, not all the wars will end, not that everyone's going to just get along and be happy once again, but that there is someone in charge. There is a Heavenly Father that is the engineer, the one in charge, the one in control, and this is finding peace in our world. That we live in peace and contentment knowing that our Heavenly Father is in charge. If we are at peace with Him, then we can have peace on this earth. Peace on earth. Now, I need to tell you something, though, that the path to peace is not what you expect. The past path to peace is fear. Now, that sounds really strange to say. The path to peace is fear. Not just any fear, of course. Not just the kind of fear, you know, that wakes you in the night when you hear a noise. Or when somebody sneaks up behind you and pounces on you and you just turn around startled and panicked by that. The Bible calls this fear the fear of the Lord, and it's a very different kind of fear. This fear comes by deliberate thought. It is the fear that we come to when we stand before holy God and we see his greatness and we see his, his holiness and we realize that we are sinners before him, standing in judgment before him. And this fear is a fear of reverence and, and awe and respect and honor. The fear of the Lord causes us to bow before God. This fear of the Lord makes us want to obey God because we acknowledge He is our Creator. He is our God. Proverbs 9.10 says it this way, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is where it begins. This is where you get at peace with God. This is where you begin to live life as you're supposed to live it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The path to peace for you and me begins with reverence for God. Psalm 34 says this, Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, this psalm was quoted by the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and following. He was talking to Christians that were in turmoil, Christians that were in, in trials and, and uh, tribulations that probably none of us have ever had to face. Rarely has there been a more troubling time or place to live than for Christians living in the Roman Empire in that first century. Many of the apostles had already been put to death, and Christians were being hunted down and imprisoned or killed simply because they wouldn't believe in the emperor as God. They believed in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus, and if somebody put them to the test, you must confess faith in the emperor. They said, no, I confess faith in Christ, and they would be put to death or imprisoned. And so these Christians who were naturally afraid, who were naturally anxious about their future, who had Probably a more dismal future than any of us might even imagine us to have. Didn't know what was in store for them, but they knew the one who's in charge. And Peter was telling them, don't be anxious, don't be afraid. He was telling them that even if you will suffer for being a Christian, that God is going to see through your trials one way or another. If you fear God, if you obey him, you don't have to fear what man may do to you. So much like what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28. Some of you know what Jesus said there. He said something very similar. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear God, and you don't have to fear man. Fear God, and you don't have to fear the future. Fear God, and you will be able to live life at peace and contentment through all of your days. Fear of the Lord is a good thing. (laughs) Fear of the Lord is what brings us to faith and trust in the Lord. You know, in a world longing for peace, we have what everyone else needs. Now, it's not exactly what they want. It's not necessarily what they want, but it's what everyone else needs. Everybody that you have ever met needs this peace. Peace. People of this world are focused on physical things, physical realities, things they can see, things they can touch, things that they can experience. They think of peace in external te- terms. You know, Peace can only be between nations. Peace can be between people. We can see that. We can see them come together. We can see them coexisting and making things work. But there is a reality of peace that is deeper and more pervasive than that. And it's an unseen peace. There is a reality that is much greater than that, that is not visible to our eyes, at least not yet. This spiritual reality, this eternal reality is seen now by our hearts, by our souls, not by our physical eyes. And Jesus came to bring such peace. He came to bring it to us one at a time. He did not come to bring it to whole nations, to whole societies, to whole ethnic groups, to whole countries. He came to bring it to us one at a time, one by one. He did not come to bring global peace. He came to bring eternal peace to each of us, one by one, in our hearts. And The Apostle Paul wrote about this in his second letter to the Corinthian believers. He noted that while the world is concerned about what can be seen, what we can experience, Christians are concerned with the reality of, that is deeper than that. That is invisible reality. The reality of heaven and hell. Which is of yet are unseen. We accept them by faith. And so we try to share them with those. Who do not yet accept them by faith. Heaven and hell are real. We can't see them. We believe what the Bible says. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And is appointed for man once to die. And then the judgment. It is appointed for man to give account for his life before God that there will be a time when God will separate us as sheep from the goats and he will put one on his right and one on his left. There is a time coming when man will go to heaven or to hell. That is a reality that none of us has yet yet have seen. We just believe it. We believe it because of the testimony of those who have seen this and who testify in the word. Heaven and hell are real. The judgment is real. Jesus' sacrifice, which none of us saw with our own eyes, is real. He has given us peace with God. And we accept all of this by faith. But it is not easy to explain these things to people who want to see something before they will believe it. Is it? That's a tough job. And here's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians just try and track with me as we go through this. I'm not going to try and explain the whole thing because it's, it's a pretty involved passage. Get the, get the big picture of what he's saying. Since then, he says, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. And that, that's kind of a, a root there. We know what fear the Lord means. We know what faith is about. Our job is to persuade others. What we are is also plain to you, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. In other words, you get a different read from different people, but we're doing this all for God. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. What Paul's saying is, because we fear God, because we have faith with God, we know that we're going to be saved through Jesus. We know that this is the story, this is the reality and we try to persuade others to put their faith in him also so that they can be saved. And it is Christ's love that propels us, compels us, to go out and tell others what is in, in Christ. We want them to be saved. And that love for them propels us to go out and tell them about Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 16. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And here's what I really want you to catch today. And he has committed to us. The message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now that we are at peace with God, now that we are in faith and trusting God, and know that our salvation comes through Christ, we have been given the responsibility to be ambassadors for Christ. God is making His appeal to us. Be reconciled to God. Come to peace with God. Find peace with God. And that appeal is given to everyone. Made person to person. It is made. That appeal is made when one person shares his or her faith with their neighbor with their co-worker, with their fellow student, with their family member that does not yet know Christ. Finding peace in our world is not global. Finding peace in our world is one person at a time, as one person shares their faith with another person. How many of you this morning are going to make New Year's resolutions? Have you written anything down? Uh, you're kind of hesitant, are you? Because... How many times do we not keep our New Year's resolutions? How many times do we write them down? I had one year I wrote down about ten things. I think one of them survived through the year. Uh, and, and so we hesitate. We say, well, I'm not going to do that because that way I'm not going to break them. I just won't make any. I mean, they're a good thing. They can be a good thing of changes in our life that we know God is pushing. I want to give you a suggestion this morning. That you make this resolution with me. I'm going to make the resolution. I hope you will make the same resolution. And it is simply this. In 2013, I'm going to start sharing my faith with my friends, my co-workers, my family members, my neighbors. 2013, I'm going to start doing what I've been talking about doing for a long time. I'm going to literally go out there and start talking about Jesus with the people around me. And I'm going to be lifting up Jesus in their lives by my example, by my words, so that they will come to know him if they will have that change of heart. We've put a good tool in your hands recently. uh, The one-by-one cards, we have many more of those available. We can keep on producing those as much as we need. And all the point of this card is this, is to, to give us a strategy, to give a game plan so that we can think of the people that we're trying to have an impact on. Write down their names, pray for them every day. Think of the things we could be doing every week that we can somehow touch their lives. Maybe just do something nice for them. Maybe find some good deed to do in their life to care for them. To show some love to them. And then to be looking for opportunities that we can tell our little stories about God and what God is doing in our life and the changes that he's made and and things that he's done to improve our lives. And then eventually to tell them about Jesus. To tell them that Jesus came and he gave us peace with God. When I was broken and when I was lost and And when I was estranged from God and rebelling against God, He brought me back to God. And He can do the same for you. Tell that story about Jesus to other people this year. And I hope that that will be the the resolution that stands out among all others. It's fine to lose weight. It's fine to do more exercise. It's fine to be more on task at work or whatever goal you may set. But what greater goal could there be in our life? than to be telling other people about Jesus. Now maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. This resolution would be kind of meaningless for you. You're at the point of just trying to get some peace yourself. Figure out where am I with God? Have you found peace with God? I want to show you this morning that you can. It's really, really very simple. You just need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You need to acknowledge that you've messed up your life. And as uh, Joey Rivera did a, a week ago, I uh, said, you know, I have tried. I have tried everything to fix myself, to get things together, and I can't. I need only what God can give. And you need then to throw yourself upon God's grace, to say, God, I can't fix this, I can't make it right, but I believe that you sent your Son into the world to make up for me, to to carry my sins, to pay the penalty of my sins so that I could be set free, so that I could get out of jail, so that I could come back to you. Jesus died to pay your penalties for you. So what you need to do is to put your trust and your confidence in Him to save you. And then you need to live for Him and obey Him, be faithful to Him uh, from that day forward. Now we can help you make that decision today or very soon struggling, if you're thinking about it, we can tell you exactly what the Bible says to do. But there is a reality that is far greater than the reality you know by experience, by seeing, by touching, uh, by being part of the physical world. This reality is that you are lost, you are hopeless, and you are bound for hell if you do not have Jesus Christ. That is reality. Bruce Larson... Tells how he used to help people struggling to surrender their lives to Christ. And he said, for many years I used to work in New York City. And he said, I counseled in my office a number of people who were wrestling with this decision. Do I do I give my life over to Jesus or not? You know, Do I hang on to it or do I give it to Jesus? And so he said, often I would suggest to them that they follow me out the door, down the office uh, steps and get to the front of the building. And we would walk down to the RCA building on 5th Avenue. And in the entrance of that building, he said, is this gigantic statue of Atlas. You know, the Atlas of uh, mythology. Beautifully proportioned man of strength, who with all his muscles straining is holding the world on his shoulders. There he is, he says, the most powerfully built man in the universe, and he can barely stand up under the burden. Now that's one way to live. I would point out to them. Trying to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. But now come across the street with me. Let me show you something else. And on the other side of Fifth Avenue is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the high altar is a little shrine of the boy Jesus. He's maybe eight or nine years old. And with no effort, this boy is standing there with the world in his hand. He says, my point was always illustrated very graphically. We have a choice. We can carry the weight of the world on our shoulders and be in charge of everything and just be crushed by this world. Or we can say, Lord, I give up. Here's my life. I give you my world. Broken, shattered, messed up. I give you my world. Let's see what you can do with it. I hope you have found peace in your world because Jesus came to bring peace on earth. In John 16.33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I want you to know today that you can find peace through Jesus this very day. Are you willing? Are you ready? I hope. Let's pray. Father, we pray today for each person here today. Some have already found peace in you. Some are living for you uh, that are enjoying uh, the peace that you can bring to our hearts and to our lives. I pray that you be upon their hearts today and mine that we would make this resolution to share our faith with others this coming year. That we would look for the people around us that do not know Jesus yet. And we would be talking about our faith in you and and living a life that is sincere and and devoted to you. And they would see our obedience and our love for you. And then they would see our love for them. And eventually we would be able to tell them about our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus. Lord, if there's somebody here today that has never given their life to Jesus, I pray that you speak to their heart right now. I just pray, Lord, that, that you would show them how great is your love for them. That you sent your son Jesus into the world, not as a prince to rule the world, but as a Savior, as a suffering Savior to give his life so that we could go free. Lord, we are so, so humbled that your son would even come, that we would care that he would give his life for us. And Today, I pray that that would, would be the reality that maybe this person here today would, would see for the first time. They would realize how deep your love is for them. And I pray, Lord, that, that uh, you would speak into their hearts today their need for a Savior, their need for someone to rescue them, and they would put their trust in Jesus. Lord, as we uh, conclude this time together this morning of worship, I pray that no one would leave today without taking a step toward you that they need to take. Whatever step that may be. And that we would begin this new year uh, finding every way possible to come closer to you. And to, to please you, to honor you. I pray for your blessing now upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.